0: Everybody, welcome to Ask for Candy, where we talk about healing, self care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to be amazing on the daily. Who I am, I am Candice Harper, lovecoach.com, and my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy romantic relationships all around the world, especially now that there is a worldwide health crisis and people are in need of love and connection now more than ever. But before we get into that, I just want to give a shout out to all the armed radio people who are listening in all around the world. Don't forget to subscribe to Ask for Candy on Anchor. Also subscribe to us on YouTube, Ask for Candy Podcast. And when you subscribe, even if you're busy on a Thursday night, you'll never miss a show. We are here to support you through love and connection during this global health crisis and beyond. Also, we are on Patreon, so if you want to become a patron on the show, just click the link in our post description, become a patron, and get access to early content, first dibs on any of our perks, offers, or giveaways, and 30% off any private coaching package should you be interested. You can also email us, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions during the broadcast or if you just have things that you wanna talk about, things you wanna suggest, anything. If you're shy, you just wanna let us know how you're feeling, we love to get emails so you can always email us. I am a relationship coach, a workshop facilitator, and a professional matchmaker with Talkify. And if you've never heard of it, it's an amazing digital service where you can hire a matchmaker to do all the sifting and the vetting on your behalf. And it's especially great for people who struggle with initiating contact or simply picking the right partner. Matchmaking and relationship coaching is my zone of genius. And the best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with people around the most intimate parts of their lives, and I get to meet and nurture new clients. I get to screen possible dating candidates for them. I get to design programs and activities that deepen their ability to get to know each other. And most importantly, I get to be part of what supports healthy beginnings and a sustainably healthy relationship. And I would hazard a guess that some of you who are at home quarantined with someone right now and wondering if things would have turned out differently if you had initially had someone there to help you choose in the beginning might be thinking, oh, this matchmaking thing might have something to it. The good news though, is that it's never too late to turn the ship around if both people are willing and able. And so with that thinking, I have a really special guest today whose actual zone of genius and job it is to take care of people who are willing and able to turn the ship around. So I'm privileged to interview a colleague of mine who is a licensed family therapist and deals with relationship problems and solutions every day in her own practice. Jaleesha Gatling is a licensed marriage and family therapist in New York City. In her practice, Let's Unpack Therapy, she works with couples, helping them to unpack the baggage that gets in between their relationship. Her work focuses on helping couples to get unstuck, reconnect, and heal from betrayal and infidelity. She also supports individuals in navigating relationship dilemmas and is currently providing video therapy in light of the pandemic, when she's not with clients, she is presenting workshops and self-care and healthy relationships and guest blogging. Welcome, Jaleesha. Yay. Hi. Thank
1: you so much for having me, Candace.
0: Hi, honey. I'm so happy I'm, to
1: be here. Right? I'm
0: so happy you're here, too. I feel like I've been wanting you as a guest forever, for one thing. And I was so happy when you reached out to me and you were like, hey, I'm ready. I was like, Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Our timing was just, it was off. It seemed like our availability just wouldn't sync up, but, yeah. um, I'm an avid listener of the podcast and, um, I'm super pumped to be here. You don't even know.
0: <laughs> I love you for that. That's awesome. So when you did reach out to me and you, and you were talking about this phrase that you used financial trauma, I was just so instantly like it resonated, I was fascinated. It was something that I knew that I needed to be in a conversation around and I knew that you would have um some nuggets and some and some things to touch on around it and that it's something that a lot of people are dealing with right now and I just want us to like, right? I want us to like talk about it and lay it out, unpack it as you like to say and just really get into um, you know, what it's all about. So the title for you you guys that are listening tonight is How Financial Trauma Affects Relationships, the Narratives That We Tie to Money and the Effects They Have on Our Ability to Have Healthy Romantic Relationships in or Out of a Pandemic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Candace, the reason I, I wanted to talk about this topic specifically, it sort of, um, it originated from just Noticing that working with so many couples and clients of mine, that money is—it's uh, an emotional, sticky, anxiety-ridden topic. Like the word alone brings up so much for so many people, mm-hmm. and and really being able to dig deeper um, to people's stories and how they came to develop their relationship with money, I really became fascinated with the concept of financial trauma, which I hadn't heard of before a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, essentially, financial trauma is when someone is experiencing pervasive dysfunctional reactions um, similar to PTSD really um, in, in response to Long-standing financial stress, it can also be in response to um, a single event. It can be something that happened in your childhood that really left a mark with you around money and what it means. And it can continue to really inform how you interact with money, how you relate to money, if you avoid it. Yeah. talk about it or don't um it's it's really really complex and really layered but it's something that a lot of people deal with and i think they experience it sort of as just the norm like this is just what it is yeah and, um it's not looked at as a, as an issue or something that can be changed um into a more positive experience
0: yeah now let me ask you this is there a distinction between because um, I'm thinking about like even my own situation growing up, like what was modeled for me as far as money is concerned, like, you know, let's say with my mother, my mother was just a chronic spender, like money could not stay in her pocket for anything, <laughs> right? And so is there a distinction between that conditioning of seeing somebody repeat a, an unworkable pattern over and over again compared to actually having, like when I think of a trauma, I think of something that is uh uh not a one time thing but something that has a bigger mm-hmm. sort of impact at, at once or a bigger sort of impact each time it happens is there a distinction between those two things like conditioning or or you know trauma over and over again
1: there no no there definitely is um and of course we we tend to model um, habits and, and behaviors of our parents or caregivers. So that that definitely um, is something different from trauma where there may have been an experience such as um your your father or mother losing their business, um mm. having bankruptcy and you going from maybe being very comfortable or even affluent to not being yes. and having to cope with a uh, change in maybe where you live, your school, your peers. I mean, there's so many losses that can come from a change in your income and that's traumatic In itself, you know, I mean, there's there's so many different layers of trauma. And so how that can impact you moving forward even 10, 20 years later into adulthood is that you may may have this fear of losing what Mm, you have. And that may come out in ways of being really, really frugal, even when you are really sufficiently doing okay. Um, Or you may hoard money. I mean, there's so many different money disorders that might come from the same... um, the same experience. And really, it's really about teasing out what stories or takeaways you took from that particular event or loss or set of losses.
0: Yeah. So how do you, um, like if you're someone, and I definitely feel like I'm someone who had a combination of both the unworkable conditioning and, you know, uh, traumas around it. So, you know, I'm trying to think of good examples and is okay, with the financial trauma, is it something that you can cause for yourself? Like let's say I, I can't think of one specifically as as far as my parents are concerned that I knew had to do with money, because they never really talked about money too much with us. But there is a, a financial trauma that I had in college that I kind of did I brought on myself.
1: I and I mean the trauma is not necessarily the event or something that you bring or don't bring to yourself. It's more you? the impact.
0: Of it. Gotcha. So, oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, totally. And, you know,
1: there can be trauma from, let's say even just not being taught about money or the money not being talked about. Yeah. And you know, a lot of kids, especially in college, you know, you're getting those credit card offers like all the time, right? Kind yes. Of like, and so <laughs> in those circumstances, if you haven't been already working out that muscle of budgeting and knowing what's going on with your money and you're not just like kind of in the moment, or whatever, you may um, find yourself in a bunch of debt or not being able to pay bills when you're on your own. Yeah. And you find yourself in this hole, and that in itself can be traumatic because of the ramifications of it, but also you feel guilty. I mean, there's so many people that have so much guilt around money and that beat themselves up for choices that they made when they were working with the tools that they had. Totally. You know, you know what you know. And so that that has been a huge piece uh, that I've worked with clients on in terms of letting go of that um, and working to really release that guilt and really stepping back into what they knew then. Okay, now what do you know now and what do you need to know? And let's like speak out resources to help you to, um, better manage.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. You know, what is coming up for me around what you're saying is that, you know, um, the, what I did in college as far as the mistakes, well, I I hate to call them mistakes, but you know, the things that I did out of not knowing at that time had me most of my adult life, you know, with a huge amount of student loan debt. And You know, I never let it default, but I did let it sort of grow and hang over my head. And it actually stopped me from committing in a lot of relationships over my adulthood because I felt guilty, like you were talking about. I felt guilty about the prospect of bringing someone else my debt.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's a common, common story for sure. But hmm. see, that just goes to show how deep, how far, how many contexts this can impact your life. Yeah. It's not just about budgeting. It's not about strategy. I mean, that's important. But I think people get caught up in, well, if I you know, knew how to better manage money. I mean, there are a million books out there. We We could do that. Yeah. I'm talking about the emotional side of it. Money is emotional, and so, like, that's the part that's really difficult um, to unpack, and it it really starts with starting to kind of identify how have you related to money? Like, when you spend, are you spending to celebrate? Do you tend to spend when you feel sad, when you feel lonely? Do you, you know, is it a coping mechanism, or is it something that you you treat yourself to? Like, there's so many different ways that we relate to spending, to saving, and, like, teasing out those stories can be so insightful. Yeah. And that's, those are the things that you really want to try to unpack and better understand so you can rewrite the ones that are not working for you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what would you say? So if I'm someone who just, cause I, I think a lot of times the general thought is I just need more of it. I just need more if I had more money. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so what oh, would you, yeah. what would you say as a way to sort of, um, like start down that, that self-examination journey? Like, what do you think are maybe some signs that you're going through financial trauma because I think most most of the time people just immediately say it's just because I don't have enough. But yeah, what yeah. are some other indications that you feel like are like that is, that is where your your uh, answer is.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, some signs might be um, if you if you just in general have a a negative connotation or feeling around money in general. Mm. um, You know, really catching. I mean, if you're journaling, if you um, are in therapy, even just like really listening for thought patterns that come up that are reoccurring, like what you just said. um, Mm. There's never enough, or. um, if, if money just brings about stress for you in any context, especially avoidance, I mean, mm. that's a huge one. Are mm. you avoiding checking the mail? Are you avoiding mm. phone calls, maybe because you are late on bills or you have debt collectors calling you? Um, are, do you not open up your bank statements? Do you have anxiety at the of checking your balance are you are you having stress as you stand in line hoping your card goes through because you have no clue what's in there and even on the flip side Candice you can look at your bank account and sometimes you're surprised like oh I I didn't know I had that much money yeah it's kind of like just wanting to stay and not knowing because to know is just so overwhelming so it, 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 it can show up in ways like that um and and also I think I kind of said this earlier but behaving in ways um, as if you don't have sufficient, and maybe that's not relative to your question, though, but mm. people can sort of hang on to a broke mindset mm-hmm. um, even when they're not necessarily in that position. Mm. And a lot of times, sometimes it has been an experience of mine, actually, where I was claiming broke for so, so long. Yeah. Like I had claimed that story that then things started to shift for me. I actually started paying attention. It was really difficult to not still claim that. Yeah. And it was impacting you know, it impact. I me. Mean, it's kind of crazy-making. But, um, you know, I, I'm curious as to how many other people might be able to relate to that and might be surprised um, at how, quote-unquote, well they're doing or better than they believe they're doing. Totally. But they don't really know because they're not looking.
0: I feel like everything that you just said totally speaks to like <laughs> different stages of my life. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I think about it, I, I can recall, um, and even to this day, I have to be really, really cognizant of not going into avoidance when it comes to money. Now, you know, I, I've, I've had somewhat of a turnaround cause the love business is kind of booming a little bit because of this pandemic. And so I still, you know, most of my adult life, I've been really good at just kind of ignoring what was going on. And so when I had, in my previous career, my previous life, and I was getting regular checks, first of all, you know, I was living single and didn't have any dependents, but, and plenty of money to do what I wanted to do, but I was still always crying broke. Like there was Mm -hmm. never, Mm -hmm. it was always there. And you know, I did set up to pay bills and stuff like that, but I wanted everything to be on autopilot. I didn't want to have to look at it or think about yeah. it or calculate anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And then forget about it. The times, you know, when I started my business and you know, when I've had difficulties and gone through poor times or, you know, gone through times where money was really tight. I, you know, I had an eviction a few years ago, like during those times, the avoidance level was just through the roof, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. cause it, it's like the complete opposite. But you know, I, I feel like, um, the hardest part of all of that and, you know, the beliefs that were causing me to do all of those things was like, how do I sort of dig out of it? Like it took a lot for me to even get enough in awareness to, to know that there, like you said, that there would even be a possibility for digging out of it.
1: Yeah. 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 It's, um, and you know, it's, it's so difficult because, I mean, gen- just across the board, I feel like in general, money is not talked about openly. Yeah.
0: Because
1: I, 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 you know, people feel I embarrassed.
0: Am- people get shameful, right?
1: Yeah. It, it, even if it's not necessarily that you're struggling with money, but it, I think I, I've had this story growing up, which I think was informed by multiple structures and contexts context in my life um, that has sort of said, you know, to talk about money is gross
0: Yeah, um, like rude or just,
1: like it's dirty. Like you just don't do that. Yeah, and I remember moving to New York and people saying, "Yeah, how much is your rent?" And I'm like, oh, "Right." <laughs> it's not a, it, I mean, it's not. It wasn't a thing. It really struck me how openly people talked about just that rent portion, but that says something. Yeah. In terms of like, I, I'm like, oh, I can't tell you that. Right. Or, like, <laughs> right. you know, even giving myself permission to ask. I'm like, hey, how much do you pay to live here? Yeah, that was
0: like you know, <laughs> like a big so, deal. Yeah, yeah, wow, mm-hmm. that's so funny because I had the exact same experience. I moved to New York in '94, and I just couldn't believe how open people were about money because I definitely was raised with that same thing. Like, you don't talk about it, it's vulgar, you know, you don't like you, like with my parents, like we didn't ask them how much money they made or anything like that because th- that would have been considered disrespectful. They didn't tell us. You know, we didn't know, like my dad, yeah. I think when I was young, he set up a bank account for me and I think he wanted me to learn about it. But I, also I think, and I don't know if it's a generational thing, I'm generation X. It was very much understood me. And I had two sisters. I have two sisters. It was almost like you're going to marry somebody who's going to take care of all of that. So. Oh
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That um, There's a name for it. It's escaping me right now. Hmm. Um, sort of that rescue uh, um, yes. Narrative yes. a thought a lot of people and um, you know women, I think, are are taught and sort of take on that. You know, the man is good at money; he'll take care of it. And, yeah. and heterosexual relationships, anyway. And so, and that can be modeled from the way that your parents manage totally. money or manage things too. So you just sort of move on, thinking that hey, this is the norm; this is what it is. I don't need to worry about this,
0: right? I'm Daddy makes it, it; Mama spends it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah yeah then you're bringing that into your adult relationships and dating and you know that avoidance just continues to spill over where you know you're avoiding those conversations or avoiding you know really laying out what your debt is or what your you know what your financial um, standing really looks like and also just what your struggles are what are your strengths like you know couples aren't having those conversations as frankly um as as they need to but yeah. It's, it's
0: a lot. It's yeah. A lot. Oh, I love that. What you just said, because I think it really does point to, you know, we, I, we often on the podcast talk about the vulnerability piece. And so, you know, we were mentioning about the, the discussion of money, there being embarrassment and shame around it. And, you know, what you were saying about couples don't really talk about the, our strengths and weaknesses around money. And I can can think of relationships that I've been in where I felt like if I admitted what was really going on with my money situation, it would have been being weak or, you know, I was too ashamed. I didn't want to be vulnerable in that way. And it was such a sign of like how, um, little intimacy there was if I wasn't willing to share that with that person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally lot of validity in that and i think a lot of people can can relate to that um for sure i mean it it is it's vulnerable um and and you know i'm asking couples to step into that um and many times they've been together for a while and i'm asking questions that they have not asked or have been avoiding wow you know? So,
0: yeah. yeah. And I I think it's great. I think that's exactly why we need to be having this conversation because not only did we already have this sort of social culture of, you know, money being such a difficulty, but now here we are in the midst of global trauma, right? We're in the midst yeah. of like a global situation that's causing everything to come up all at once. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) like how much time we spend together, how we spend our money, if we should even be spending money. Like, I feel like this is, this is touching on just everything that we hold dear.
1: I mean, everything that we hold dear, what we value, Mm what our blind spots are. This is in times of crisis, these things can be highlighted and it, it provides an opportunity for us to, really, like, step back and unpack and and face some of these things. Yeah. Um, I mean, with a lot of people being home now and not being able to go out, there's time to sit down and, like, have your, um, have a look at the things that you've been avoiding. I always start with that, like, what? This is one question I love to ask you, and it's fine if hate me. I say <laughs> I say I say, what are you not going to talk about today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you, what, like, what you not, what would you love for me to not come up with? <laughs> I need love to that. Be talking about.
0: Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that exact thing you don't want to say. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. I think that's a great question. So, what are just like some, some initial steps that you would say if I'm right now, you know, maybe with my partner, maybe I have kids, maybe I don't, but I'm quarantined. Um, our financial situation is uncertain and there's probably some past stuff that's going on that we haven't ever worked through. We're not good at having these conversations. What do you think is sort of the first few steps to start taking in order to get to a place where at least it can be talked about?
1: I would say... um, The beginning piece might be seeking out some sort of... um, uh, tool resource. I mean, that could be in the form of a book, of a podcast, um, something that is really centered and and solely talks about money. Mm. Um, oh, you know what? There's actually a podcast. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, Candice. It's called um, It's called This Is Uncomfortable, Ooh. and it is it, it has it's the money sign. Basically, yeah. all the episodes are about money stuff and people go up there and share their stories and uh, it's really really great wow um, i've gotten really into it so yeah. like i mean i think listening to something like that or reading a book um you know one of my faves is um jen sincero she has the so you are badass at making money oh yeah and she really goes in have you read that one yes that's a great goes book in on just like money disorders I, I mean i have a bunch of books i could even um you know, recommend that i've read that have been helpful and just just to think, help them to um getting that psycho education around money yeah. because like i said it's it's its own like psychological entity that um really has a lot of different pieces and i think being able to read up on the the intricacies of money and our relationship to it can be helpful to resonate, like to say, "Oh, it's not just me," or if this is much deeper than just you know not making enough money, um, and really it can be a great uh, way to have some conversations, like to start some of the conversations around money that haven't been had. Yeah, almost with like a, a third party, so to speak. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. Just yeah. to kind of get that going, because I, I think I could kind of go in on some different strategies, and you could sit down and do this. But I feel like really um, diving into the meaning of all. Of this and and seeing where you sort of lay in terms of the narrative that you want to rewrite, um, that that sort of ingesting and, and digesting any kind of um, resources that are are related to that might be a
0: good start. Yeah, I love that. I love that you said that because I really do feel like and i often talk about this you know when people are are just having general problems with their relationship it's almost like and you can tell me if i'm wrong but what i'm hearing and what you're saying is that the first thing to do is kind of turn inward and and get clear for yourself so that you can then
1: mm-hmm.
0: like communicate with your partner right
1: yeah yeah, yeah. it's a... like it, it's yeah it's identifying those those things for yourself and um, and sharing them with your partner yeah. and um, just looking at first what you what's not working for you and why it may not be working for you, gaining some insight and just sort of fitting in that with each other. I think like that's a really vulnerable thing. I say this all the time to my couples. Like, instead of saying, "Oh no, don't cry, don't be upset," or "Oh, you shouldn't feel that way," can you just sit in this with them for a minute? Yeah, got to drown in it. But can can you like sit in what your partner is feeling? Yeah, I love it. And that. sit in that discomfort because we so quickly want to just like, Nope, let me distract, avoid. Don't want to feel anything bad. Yes. Or, <laughs> you know, and it's like sitting in that for a minute. That's vulnerable. Yeah, that's intimacy.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. It's, it's intimate. And it's also that thing. It's that exact thing that everybody avoids. And it's the thing that's going to actually have you connect, I feel like. <laughs> yes. Right? As soon yeah. as I if I can speak my shame, if I can speak my my vulnerability, I can speak what it is that I'm afraid of. And you're just there to accept it and still okay. love me. That's, that's the ultimate in, in love. <laughs> yeah, Right? That's that yeah. thing that nobody wants to do, but it's exactly what will um you know bond us together i have a question for another phrase that you sent me that it really like lit me up i was like what is that financial infidelity oh
1: yeah what is that no yeah. <laughs> so I- infidelity i mm. mean you know there are so many different types of affairs you know romantic sexual emotional internet cyber porn you know all kinds right yeah so um this is another form of, of betrayal that can there's such a wide range Candace. i mean yes. it can be from um maybe sort of sitting on what you spend on those shoes you got mm. um yeah. you know it could be um
0: like what we think is like little white lies and stuff
1: and I mean, of course, couple to couple, like, it's everyone has a different idea of what, um, I guess, crossing that line is or what betrayal looks like. Mm-hmm. But if you're ideally not comfortable just being transparent with what you're spending, what you're making, I mean, it can be lying about your salary, not telling your spouse about a bonus. It can, you know, be as extreme as having a whole family or mistress that you're keeping up yeah. in an apartment. Yeah. You know, it could be gambling. um, uh, it could be lying about how much debt you have or racking it up and not telling your partner. Um, you know, it could be taking half of the money for the rent and you were actually not paying the rent. Yeah. You know, Ooh. so I mean, essentially it's just like it's, it's <laughs> not being honest yeah. around financial matters. Um, and uh, yeah, it's something that I've discovered in doing therapy and my niece has been around betrayal and infidelity and this is a whole other world that I'm becoming more and more... Um, uh, educated on and working with more and more with, with couples for sure.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Cause I feel like now that you explained, <laughs> <laughs> now that you explained it. So, um, I feel like it's so common. Like I, I think of couples that I know, couples that I've worked with, couples in my family, um, you know I think about I hate to call my mom out but I think about growing up how she would shop and hide things in the, in the trunk yeah
1: mine too right me. like mine too <laughs> totally now but look kids, I wanna I wanna make sure because um, again it's like that okay so I'm just gonna use my parents as an example because yeah. like if my dad discovered a pair of shoes that my mom like might have hid in my closet like she used hide <laughs> she's gonna listen to this she's gonna kill me right but, Yeah. And say he stumbles upon it, or he's like, oh, I thought that was Jaleesh's, and was actually my mom's. It wasn't, it didn't cause, like, uh, it wasn't a, a thing. It, yeah. was, it wasn't like we didn't have food, or that had some sort of um, ramification, it, it, or, or not even a conflict at all. You know, just kind of like, it was kind of a funny thing. Yeah. But, Yeah. And, you know, I don't think my mom was start hiding those shoes, to be honest. Right. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah, definitely that generation too. And yeah, I mean, my mom, you know, if you talked about, talked to her about it these days, first of all, she'd never admit it. But second of all, I'm sure she would, even if she was admitting it, she would be amid- admitting it with justification. Like there was no, yeah. yeah. But here's the thing. I, I think about that too. I agree with you. Like, I think that, yeah, those are those, there are those small things that probably don't necessarily make or break the relationship, but You know, as far as what I learned as her daughter and as far as like the fabric of the family. So, you know, what I learned from my mom, you know, hiding stuff in the trunk and not being forthcoming about what she was doing with financials was that it's okay to be on dishonest in my relationship as long as it's you know, to my benefit in some way. And I, right. (laughs) And, and, and I can think about relationships that I was in, you know, I was in a 13 year relationship and part of the breakdown was that, you know, he had his things that he didn't do so right or whatever. I mean, he's a great guy. I have nothing bad to say about him, but a big part of the breakdown of our relationship were those little things over the years that I was doing too, that were not, kosher, but I felt like, you know, that's how you do when you're in a relationship. You don't have to tell all the truth,
1: right? You know, so. But it's also <laughs> assuming that your partner is going to have an issue with that. Yes. Like if you can afford the shoes, if it's not, if you're not going over the budget, I think that's what even makes a difference. Yeah. Like let's say you have an agreed budget and you're not, you're within the budget and you got some fancy shoes. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. so I think like asking yourself the why um, you know, really makes a big difference. And I mean, I myself assumed when I got into my first serious long term relationship that I like he would get mad or it would be a thing mm-hmm. because men don't like you to buy shoes or whatever. And so I was hiding shoes and he found them and he was like, Why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? It? It? <laughs> like he didn't even care And I was like Thing. And I'm like, I'm living through the lens of like my childhood yeah. or what, you know, so like that's another thing that can really come from doing this work is learning the stories that you might be living through from yeah. the past that do not relate to now.
0: Yeah. So that brings up a good point though. So some things are, they have that harmlessness to them, but then what about things like you had mentioned something like if someone's telling you that they're paying the rent and they hadn't been, so now you're, you know, there's going to be an eviction or something like that, or, you know, they're yeah. lying about how much money they're making. Do you feel like those kinds of dishonesties are fixable or healable, or are they deal breakers in a relationship? Should you leave? Like, what do you think about that?
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, i I'm definitely not a, uh, Simple, you should leave or not
0: leave. Yeah. I
1: think um, it's always better and more preferred if the person can just like own up to it, even if they've already you know messed up. Like yeah. it's better to be told about it if there than to discover it. I mean, they're both pretty awful,
0: yeah. but still
1: right um, and painful. Um, it, it it can work if both of you are willing to really put it all out there. And you know, I think one of the ways that I sort of Gauge that with couples when I'm first working with them is asking like what's at stake because I got to know what's at stake. There's got to be something valuable at stake here yeah. for you to be willing to step into that vulnerability and just be completely transparent. Yeah. And if there's not enough at stake, if it's just well we've been together this long or you know it, this is just going to be kind of BS. Yeah. You're going to be going through the motions, you know. Yeah. So if you have if you have something at stake and you can really connect that yeah you you could have a
0: shot to work through it but um you've got to be willing to really open up yeah that's a good point it's almost like if if your partner were cheating with somebody else it's like that willingness to if we're gonna work it out then I gotta also own my shit in it it can't just be about yeah. m- me blaming you and pointing fingers at you for what you did wrong I gotta also own yeah. who I've been in the relationship yeah. right Ugh. And both
1: people need to want to know why, like that insight piece, you know, is really important. It can't just be, Oh, I won't do it again. But don't you want to know why, how you got here, How, how you know that this won't happen again. It can't just be the person who was betrayed who is on board with that. They both need to be aligned and want that.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. So what if I'm in a situation where my partner is in control of everything and, you know, I want something different. Like, I want it to be different. You know, maybe they're the ones making the money. They're the ones who control the money. They're the ones who, you know, decide how it goes. And I want to change that around. I want to transform that. What, what would you suggest for that?
1: So, um, assuming... Uh, um, this is coming up for me as you're saying that um, mm-hmm. we're talking about a situation that is not involving domestic violence mm-hmm. or sort of controlling um, tactics that, you know, occur within an abusive relationship. If we're like, that's the and that's not um, in this situation, mm-hmm. uh, I would say asking yourself um, how you are helping how you, like really reflecting on how you've been helping that partner or enabling them to sort of have full control how do you co-sign that yeah. because generally we co-sign those behaviors in very totally. subtle ways does that make sense
0: yeah Um.
1: Yeah. and so kind That and then working from that angle because I think it's important to take responsibility and, like, you know, really think about your role in this dynamic. If your partner has has full control, if you don't know the passwords to accounts, you don't know what's going on with your retirement, like, you don't know anything. Yeah. You got to step back and, like, you know, really think about that. So, like, I think it's important to enter that conversation with your partner, sort of owning that. Mm, um, yeah, you know, so it's not just like you need to stop controlling everything. I want to be a part of this, but um, you know, really like laying out the full context and, and the different pieces and parts that have made this dynamic what it is, yeah. um, and and really exploring the different things that you would like to implement to begin to be um, more uh, involved yeah. and in the know. And really, you know, explaining why, why do you want this? And you need to be connected to that, too. Right. It can't just be a, a surface level, oh, I should, but know why. Again, what's at stake?
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that you said that. Cause I feel like a lot of, especially for women in particular, I mean, I'm not going to assume that, that, uh, men are the only ones who are in control. There's a lot of women out there who are in control when it comes to finances and things like that, but finding that why, like that understanding of, you know, maybe you want to start a business or maybe you want to, you know, pursue something that you're passionate about. And all of a sudden you're, you realize that you have no, there's no leeway for you, right. To To spend any money or, you know, yeah, like if you, with a motivation, I feel like you can almost enroll a partner into anything you want to do if you know why it is you want to do it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's got to be meaningful. It's got to be meaningful. It's got to be really meaningful. Yeah. Like getting getting them on your page and, and something that means something to you. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Ah, Well, one thing that, that's, I feel so, so, so important right now, especially, but always, and I know you clearly do because you're a therapist, but this idea of like, you know, the things that we do to maintain our mental wellness around stuff. So what are some things that you think, um, you know, for a, a lot of people who are scared right now, a lot of people who, you know, their income has gone away and, you know, they may or may not be getting this, this, uh, uh, money that's coming from the government or, you know, whatever. There's just a lot of uncertainty. What are some things you would say are important around maintaining mental and financial wellness, you know, emotional, mm-hmm. financial wellness right now?
1: Um, I would say the first thing, before even talking about things you can do or should be doing, um, is what do you need to get rid of? Mm. Uh, what do you need to limit? Um, You know, we've got to make space to be able to bring some some tools and things in to be helpful to us. And um, I'm talking about, like, limiting the social media or just even limiting what you are Assuming, yeah. you know I was just having this conversation it's so funny earlier with another colleague of mine and she was saying that when she's scrolling down her Instagram she's getting super stressed out and every post is fear-based and mm-hmm. from a fear angle and I was like I actually don't relate I was like Cause I don't follow those sort of accounts I yeah. mean just in general yeah you know so I'm like you know maybe doing a little cleanse instead of trying to cope with all the stuff that is out there that is very fear-based, um, perhaps blocking or unfollowing, just, like, limiting yeah. um, if you are online and giving yourself boundaries with consuming the news. I mean, I know we need to be, like, in the know. I'm not saying put your head in the sand, yeah. but um, just really paying attention to what is draining you, what what fuels your anxiety, yeah. um, and limiting if not completely getting rid of that in your space. Yeah. What you do have control
0: over, right? hmm Totally. And it's so interesting that you're saying that too about the limiting social media because I think, you know, at least for me, when I'm not limiting it, I notice that the reason that I'm not is because I have a false sense of being able to control anything. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. what I can control is not in social media. <laughs> But if I'm on it, if I'm, you know, scrolling my page or whatever, I can convince myself, you know, if I, if I do it in sort of an unconscious way that I, that if something happens, that there's anything I can do, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I think we, we often convince ourselves of, um, you know, that, that we're, if we're monitoring it constantly, that we're going to be able to do something about it if there's a problem. When meanwhile, you know, I think like you're saying, it just basically is, is, uh, Uh, sucking away from our our actual wellness, our actual mental health. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's taking away from the bandwidth. So, Mm. you know, I I always think about energy, like, in terms of, I think about, like, money, Candice. I I say this a lot. Like, I'm trying to constantly budget my energy and where I'm going to put it. Mm. And is it giving me a return? Yeah. Like, is this, you know, the people that I'm even talking to or who I I communicate with, who's in my support network. Like, do I feel expansive after having a conversation with them if I'm having a rough day or a rough time? Or do I feel depleted? Do I feel more anxious? You know, and really, um, really paying attention to those different states and where they where they show up. Um, And really, like, yeah, I I think that's the first, first, like most important thing. What do you need to clear out? This is a time to declutter. Right. Declutter your closet, (laughs) like seriously declutter your um, subscriptions that you're not using that can help you financially, declutter, you know, just who you're engaging with.
0: Yeah. Like just all the way around. And it's so funny because what when you reached out to me, what I loved about wanting to even talk about this is that I think so wholeheartedly that money is just such a symbol of how we do everything else in our life, right? How What our relationship is with it. And so I love what you're saying about decluttering and also, you know, focusing on things that bring you back value, because I feel like that is true of every area, Like even in, you know, how you live in your house, how you are with your partner, how you are with your, your friends. It's like, you know, and like you said, this, this quarantine time, I mean, if we don't take advantage of, and I don't mean this to sound like, you know, a voice of doom, but if we don't take advantage of this time to, to have all of those things uh, you know, replace them to where we might want them to be, or at least be working towards that. And then this time goes by, which that's the hope, right? That, you know, we're going to go back to at least some semblance of, of health and normalcy where we're not worried about people dying. Then it just is a missed opportunity. Like time, you can't get back money. You can always make right okay. but this time okay. is like invaluable like you we're never going to get this back where you don't have to be on the hustle and the grind where you don't have to be taking up most of your day on the train you know you yeah. can actually look your kids in the eye for a, <laughs> which i know a lot of parents are sick of that right now but <laughs> you know yeah. like your family's <laughs> around you you know like this this is a very very valuable time for for really being part of a big shift oh totally
1: and i think on that for candace i mean just gratitude like yeah. looking looking within this context of what things are you getting more of like mm-hmm. whether it be I, I get to take my kid to school yeah. um, i mean not to wake them up in the morning because i i'm thinking about a friend who was saying like she hasn't been able to be there when her kid wakes up because she goes to work so early mm. so you know just like what are the things that you're grateful for that maybe you haven't been able to indulge in yeah um you know what's the one thing that couples are always saying we don't have enough time to there's not enough time we don't have time for
0: yeah <laughs> so we
1: got time
0: now we got time. We got nothing but time, right? If you're not, if you're not a healthcare worker or somebody who just like constantly right. works from home, you got nothing but time. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's true. It's true. Uh, I love mm-hmm. this conversation though, because, you know, I always say that with all of this stuff, it, it is a, it is the willingness to practice. Like there's no, you know, we're not light switches. where all of a sudden, you know, we, we start just doing things better, but I think that it's having these conversations that helps people, you know, at least helps me (laughs) to consider how I can just start doing little small things. Yeah. You know, know, to make a difference. Yeah. 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 I mean like, okay. So, so um, like the, the eating and the Netflix thing, I think, you know, we all can fall prey to that. And You know, I myself, I can go down a YouTube rabbit hole in a second and hours could go by or I could be on TikTok forever. And I do think there's something to be said for, you know, entertaining ourselves and sharing that with each other and keeping each other's spirits up and keeping them light during this time. But, you know, I don't know. I think it can't be stressed enough that this is a great time to be having these financial conversations, these like...
1: It really is. It really is. <laughs> That's good stuff. And like and not being afraid to um, you know, reach out at this time, um yeah. to um, support groups um you know like i said earlier in terms of just what you're ingesting and what you're consuming via the internet books what have you like it's a, it's a great time to dig in and start to really um unpack some of this yeah. um you know therapists i mean obviously now everyone's going virtual so you know that's an option um if you can sort of find a corner where you can have some privacy in your house. Right. Um, and a lot of people don't know this. It's something that I just discovered like two years ago. There, there are financial therapists, like therapists wow. who are who literally work with people to unpack their money baggage. Wow. And I was absolutely fascinated by this. And, um, yeah so I mean, just like putting that out there to any listeners who might want to look into that, whether that be now or when things settle down, that you know there are people that like are all about this, who are skilled um to help you with mental health around money and also strategy too, like yeah. they're, they're trained in that as well.
0: That's fantastic.
1: You don't have to do this on your own. That's basically my, you like you don't have to do this on
0: your own. And we really don't do anything. I think as far as growth goes with on our own, on our right? Own. Yeah, so. absolutely. I always say we try to, you know, if you stay in your own head, it's like a, you're staying in a bad neighborhood, like the bad neighborhood mm. of your own like if you want to grow, it yeah. definitely, it definitely requires community and support and expertise and yeah. all of that stuff. So speaking of that, Jalicia, let everybody know where they can find you, because I know that you're an amazing family therapist and, you know, that you're someone who's great to work with and you're doing virtual sessions, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. It's all virtual. Um, yeah. I've been virtual for a while. Okay.
0: Um,
1: not full time, but full time now. <laughs> um, right. so, so yeah, I'm doing virtual sessions. Um, I practice, you can find me at let's unpack therapy. Just think about unpacking your baggage. Let's yeah. unpack mm-hmm. therapy. Um, uh, I'm on Instagram at let's unpack therapy on Facebook let's unpack therapy uh, let's unpack awesome. <laughs> that's like
0: pretty easy yeah.
1: um, and you can set up a free consultation I do 15 minutes um, phone or video if you want to get a taste of what that feels like um, if you're a little hesitant I really encourage people to do that yeah. so you can get a sense of what it really feels like and um, we can it feels a little bit more intimate than a phone call Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you go to the website, you guys can set that up if you're curious or interested about working with me or have questions about therapy in general. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. Oh, and then you you mentioned about the uh, three tips for money anxiety that you have. Oh,
1: yes, yes, yes. Um, I have a, a, a guide that I created that has three tips to start to manage anxiety. And this is really just about managing the anxiety that that a lot of people have around money in general or if it's like it's been escalated uh, within the pandemic, um, it'd be an awesome thing to look at, and it gives you some concrete steps of things that you can start to do today, right now, actionable, realistic steps that you can do to start to better manage your anxiety and um, start to gain some clarity and insight to help you on your your journey of having a positive money mindset. Yes. Um, so, um, Candice, I don't know. I, I guess I can give you the link. Yeah. Um, that
0: they can click on to get that and um, if yeah. you if you send me that link which I think you might have already sent it to me I'm gonna just add it on to you know when I'm posting on social media and you know the armed radio okay. people they'll see it in the group and it'll be all over you know when I post it I'll make sure to add it in that they can get it
1: awesome yeah
0: and yeah. so- and I and I'm, and I'm gonna read it and I'm gonna stop kicking myself for not investing in <laughs> toilet paper and weed like I'd, I'd initially- <laughs> <laughs> I I love- didn't I love it so much. Oh my goodness. But yeah, (laughs) I will make sure to share that around (laughs) because I think a lot of us need it out here. Jalisha, thank you so much, my sweet love. I'm so glad that we finally did this.
1: No, me too. It's been long overdue. No, I'm thrilled um, Mm. to have been on the show and talking about money um i love it love yeah. it so much thank and, you i really appreciate
0: it and you were on you're like one of my ogs because remember you used to come on when we were at the v club we'd have a big group of ladies
1: yeah and yeah,
0: yeah. That's, yeah. And that's where i just met
1: you randomly yeah. and um i was like i need to know more of her i need to see this woman <laughs> I, I just love loved it. her energy it was so infectious um mm. yeah so I'm super pumped. I,
0: I'm really excited. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you. And thank you for all of the wisdom nuggets. And I know that there's people out there who are just really going to find it so very valuable. So thank you for doing what you do and delivering your message and just being, you know, a loving agent for change in the world. Thanks,
1: Candace. Yes. Take
0: care. All right, my sweetheart. Stay healthy. And I'll talk all to right. you very soon. You're a friend you of the show too. now. So you're going to come back on at some point. I All right. right. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye. So that was fantastic talking to Jaleesha. Oh my goodness. You guys have to tell me, those of you who listen to the show, if you want me to have guests more often, I'm happy to do that. I mean, you know, I used to have guests and, you know, it's something that I, I do enjoy having a nice conversation, but I also enjoy just talking. You guys know how I am. And just so you know, for anybody who has not listened to the show before, I am a matchmaker for Talkify. If you want to be included in my roster of recruits to be matched with one of my fantastic clients for free, send me a private message on Facebook with your interest, or you can email me, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com, and I'll send you my recruitment link and get you screened and, you know, see if I have somebody I can match up with. I'm definitely always looking for eligible bachelors who, you know, are ready for love and have it all together. And all you really have to do is be single, open to being screened and, you know, in touch with who you are, have a verb for life, just, you know, ready to have some fun. Right now we're doing all digital dating, all virtual dating. Um, You know, I'm even doing it myself. I, I'm a big advocate of it. I feel like, yeah, it's not the same as being face-to-face in person, but you really can get to know a person before you commit too much, before you spend all your money, before you shave your hoo-ha, before you do all of that stuff that you might normally do you know, before in early dates. I don't know if you shave your hoo-ha in early dates. I can't make those judgments. But sometimes people do. They wanna be fresh. You don't have to do any of that stuff with digital dating. You just get on a digital date. You only have to look good from the waist up and just be yourself and enjoy yourself. The other thing that I'm doing right now, especially during this global health crisis, is the Epic Circle, which is an online healing circle for women everywhere. So every Monday night, um, you know, we as women, we come together as a community and we cause personal transformation when it comes to communication, forgiveness, self-love, mother-daughter relationships, purpose, friendships, just all of the tools that we need to be as big as we were meant to be. So last week we started with a conversation about sisterhood and what it means to be, what it really means at home and in the world. Actually the, the conversation about sisterhood was our first, um, Our first sort of session our first circle and then that sort of evolved into like who I am in a sisterhood and then that evolved into what are my patterns and what what are my workable patterns compared to my non-workable patterns and then this week coming up we're gonna be talking about how do I love myself how do I know I love myself and what are the signs that really show me that I love myself that's what this upcoming session is all about and it's all related to what we're dealing with right now it's all about maintaining your mental wellness your mental health it's all about growth and transformation and being part of what is the great shift that's going on now and that's that you guys know you can follow me on instagram at ask for candy podcast and at candy love coach and um, that's it. Also, shout out to the Ask for Candy podcast group and the Armed Radio group. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Ask for Candy Podcast, to catch any episodes that you may have missed. Subscribe, 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 subscribe. Say that five times fast on um, Anchor. Ask for Candy on Anchor, because that way you're supporting me. Email me, Ask for Candy Podcast at gmail, and send me your questions and comments. They may even become topics on future shows. Next week's topic is smart, savvy, and self-sufficient. What modern day women have to be willing to give up if they ever want to have a healthy relationship with a man. Woo, that's going to be an interesting topic. Anyway, I love you guys so much. Until next time, never forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and then ask for candy. I love you. Bye now.
1: I call my sugar cane.